Yeah, morning everyone. Hey, morning, yeah. Good, good. Yeah, you're awake. Awesome. Yeah, to those that we know, yeah, so rad just to see your see your faces again and please know in your hearts, like Ryan said this to me, you know, he said, when you move, it's going to be hard, but because of the nature of the kingdom, especially if you, go, you yeah, I mean, the nature of the kingdom is you've got to give, you've got to give yourself completely where you are. And so he said, you're going to find it hard to keep up communicating. And my wife is an exceptional communi- communicator. I'm perhaps not so much, certainly individuals, but please know in your hearts, we love you. We've missed you, hey? And to be back here is a reminder of that. We really, she's going to start crying. Uh, it's okay. It's okay. Um, but God has been really, really gracious to us, really good to us over the last five, six months. And um, it's been a lesson for us again. You know, things, things you think you know, but it's been a lesson to us again of if we put Jesus first and we're kind of willing to risk it all, he can use us. Our lives can count for eternity here. And over the last few, over the last few well, last couple of months, it's been super humbling for me to see a good friend of mine, Mike Fast, go through what he's gone through. I mean, him and his family came through Benonium with us about four weeks before, about four weeks, say, or so, five, maybe five weeks before he was diagnosed with leukemia and got really, really, really ill, and I'm hoping to visit him tomorrow. Um, but it was just a reminder for me, there's a friend, he's 41, he's giving his life for the kingdom and for Jesus, who overnight goes from playing a game of ice hockey and being bruised on his hip to a week later going, why is this bruise not going away? In fact, it's getting larger. I better go, his wife finally saying, stop being such a man, go see a doctor, and goes to see a doctor, and boom, leukemia, overnight. And he's just come out of hospital now after a month in hospital. Um, and a reminder for me, hey, we've got one life. Let's live it. Let's live it. And so I do want to bring something of a word this morning that I hope will, I hope it will break down actually in some way. It will cut. It might hurt, but it's to build. It's to build the kingdom, okay? Um, my heart is always, in, always to encourage, but I want to call you into more today. And in some ways, I think Jess's picture, which you, you know, you got Jess to share earlier, I didn't realize she was going to share that one because she had such a great word in the prayer meeting, but Jess's picture for us this morning was prophetic in many ways. It was a calling, like what God has asked her to do is what he calls each one of us to do. And the thing about taking that expensive bottle of perfume and eventually breaking it, it's breaking it, it's in the breaking it is costly. I mean, that costs, eh? To do that, it's literally costly. I don't know how much that bottle cost. But the fruits of counting the cost, the fruit of obedience is his presence, is his aroma. Jesus will be with you. Can you imagine? I don't know if she did it in the garage. I don't know what a garage smells like afterwards. But if you break a bottle of perfume like that, that whole garage is going to smell. You probably smelled like perfume for a while afterwards, I'm sure. And that is, that's the reality. That's what God's calling us to, to count the cost, to follow him, to break the bottle so that we can be of use in the kingdom. So just take note of that. That's prophetically, I think, what God is saying to you today, you know. But as you, as you were praying this morning, as you've been worshiping, God was giving me a picture for you guys, which I want to share now before I forget it. And the picture was this. I saw, I saw a picture of, um, so imagine Greenpoint as a, as a nation that's been called to war. It's been called to battle. So you're a nation and you have land to take, you know, so you lined up to take the land and you can see on the other side, the enemies fighting against you or who want to fight against you, but God has called you to take the land. So I saw Greenpoint lined up to take the land. I saw the enemy there ready to be conquered, not for them to conquer you, but for you to conquer them. 
And as, as there was a call, um, a call to fight, a, a, call, a call to take the land, I felt like God say this morning, how dare you not hear the call? How dare you? You know, it's kind of like a parent to a child. How dare you not listen to me? How dare you not hear the call to move forward in unity? Because I can tell you something, in the kingdom, if you don't move forward in unity, if, if for example, Neil or Andrew or whoever the leaders in the life of this church happen to make, whatever call they make at a time, if you don't hear that call and, a, and, a, and together as a people respond to that call and move forward in unity, What's going to happen is that the call to, to take the land, okay, take it now, is some are going to run and take the land against an enemy. But because you don't move forward in unity, the people who move, who, who run and hear the call, they are cannon fodder. They are cannon fodder for the enemy. You've got to move forward in unity. When the call comes as one man, we need to rise in unity and take the land. So I want to say to you this morning, Greenpoint, how dare you not hear the call? Hear the call this morning to move forward and to move forward in unity. All right, I'll come back to that at the end. And so the scripture I was sitting with this morning, there are a few, and I'm going to try not to go on and on and on, but there are a few that were sitting with me was um, Numbers 17, or sorry, Numbers 13, where the nation of Israel about to, uh, they've been called to take the land and the scouts are sent on. It's such a well-known story that I could read this portion of scripture and it could go over your head because you've heard it so many times. So please hear it again this morning, but with a fresh lens. And this is a scripture, the worst word is all about taking the land, taking the land. Okay. So it says this, Numbers 13, 17 to 34. It says, when Moses sent them off, to scout out Canaan, he said, go up to the Negev and then into the hill country. Look the land over. See what it is like. Assess the people. Are they strong or weak? Are there few or many? Observe the land. Is it pleasant or harsh? Can I tell you something? Benoni looks pretty harsh compared to Seapoint, eh? <laughs> it's not so pleasant like Seapoint. But that's the land that we had been called to take. And now up there, we've been called to take. And by God's grace... We take it. Okay. And so you've been given pleasant land in many ways. It looks pleasant, but there's some giants in this land as well. Okay. Observe the land. Is it pleasant or harsh? Describe the towns where they live. Are they open camps or fortified with walls? And the soil, is it fertile or barren? Are there forests? And try to bring back a sample of the produce that grows there. This is the season for the first ripe grapes. With that they were on their way. They scouted out the land from the wilderness of Zind as far as Rehob toward, toward uh, Lebo Hamath. They, um, their roots went through the Negev Desert, so through a desert to the town of Hebron. Ahiman, Seshai, Talmai, descendants of the giant Anak, lived there. Hebron had been built seven years before Zoan in Egypt. When they arrived at the Eshkol Valley, they cut off a branch with a single cluster of grapes. It took two men to carry it, slung on a pole. They also picked some pomegranates and figs. They named the place the Eshkol Valley or the grape, the grape Cluster Valley because of the huge cluster of grapes they had cut down there. After 40 days of scouting out the land, they returned home. So just pause. Think about what they've just seen, what they've just experienced, what they've just taken back with them. They presented themselves before Moses and Aaron. 
and the whole congregation um, of the people of Israel. Better add five minutes onto that, anyway. Seven. Um, at Skadesh, they reported to the whole congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. Then they told them the story of their trip. Oh, we went to the land to which you sent us, and oh, does it flow with milk and honey. Just look at this fruit. The only thing is that the people who live there are fierce. Their cities are huge and well fortified. Worse yet, we saw descendants of the giant Anak. Amalekites are spread out in the Negev. Hittites, Jebusites, Amorites hold the hill country, and the Canaanites are established on the Mediterranean Sea and along the Jordan. Caleb interrupted, called for silence, silence before Moses and said, Let's go and take the land now. We can do it. But the others said, we can't attack these people. They're way stronger than we are. They spread scary rumors among the people of Israel. They said, we scouted out the land from one end to the other. It is a land that swallows people whole. In Benoni, the roads literally swallow you whole. The potholes are that big. Everybody we saw was huge. Why? We even saw the Nephilim giants, the Anak giants that came from the Nephilim. Alongside them, we felt like grasshoppers. And they looked down on us as if we were grasshoppers ready to crush us. Next chapter, chapter 14, verse 24. But my servant Caleb, this is a different story. He has a different spirit. He follows me passionately. I'll bring him into the land that he scouted, and his children will inherit it. And so this morning I felt that for Greenpoint there was a call. There's a call to you guys. Take the land, and how dare you not? How dare you not? God has added you to this church. He's called you to this place to take the land. You have one, one life, one opportunity. You can't be thinking about where you could be, where you should be, where you might be. He's called you here. He's called you here for such a time as this. You must take the land. Be like Caleb. Be like, be like Caleb who had a different spirit, who fostered something inside of him, who allowed something to grow inside of him, which was the spirit of God. It was the character of God. It was a, a life of faith. Allow that to grow inside of you so that when the call comes to take the land, you can respond. Not wait for someone next to you to respond, but you can respond, trusting that those next to you hear the same call and you can run as one man and take the land. And so what was this something? What was it about Caleb that allowed him to be this sort of man? What was it? Well, Caleb saw something. He must have seen. I mean, he went to the land. They saw the incredible fruits of the land, and they, they brought that back as a sign of what God had for them. But Caleb also saw the giants. I mean, it's not like he closed his eyes and he was like, mm, I'm just going to hide myself and put blinkers on and not see those things. But in some ways, he did blinker himself. In some ways, he said, you know what? I'm not going to focus on what could happen to us that's scary. Rather, I'm going to focus on what God has got for us in this land. And I'm going to be single-minded. I'm going to be devoted. I'm going to arrow in on that thing. And there's something about the violence of the kingdom that God has calls us to, which means we become narrow Minded or narrow, like the, like Annette was sharing that scripture earlier. 
The gate is narrow. The way is narrow. We've been called to be that sort of people where we can focus in on what God has for us and no matter what, give ourselves to that, no matter the cost. Okay, so Caleb was this sort of man. He had a depth of faith, a deep faith in Jesus. And faith is, it's, it's you know, in Hebrews, I think I've got it here in my notes, it won't come up. It says in Hebrews 11 verse 1, without faith, and I know Neil talks a lot about faith. But guys, this is the truth of the word. It's not just words in Neil's mouth. It's the truth. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. It's impossible to please Him. We must be people of faith. And faith means we've seen Jesus. We've seen Him. We've responded to Him. Been willing to lay everything aside and give everything of ourselves to Him including our finances, our emotions, our relationships. We have to be those sorts of people who are willing to be violent with regard to the way we live and not count the cost. And the Bible says count the cost, which literally means tally the cost. Count the cost. Look how much it's going to cost you. For some of you, the cost is going to be this much. For some of you, the cost is going to be that much. But the point is, no matter how much the cost is, Count the cost and be willing to pay it. Be, pay, be willing to pay it. Turn from that and follow him into the inheritance that, he has, inheritance that he has for you. So do you hear that this morning? And I want to remind you that, you know, with regard to faith, so faith, it's, faith, faith is not about having faith in a sense. Faith is the product of having a relationship with Jesus. It's about knowing Jesus. It's about loving him. It's about being close to him. When all those things happen, faith is the byproduct. Faith, is, faith brings you to Jesus, but faith is the fruit of knowing him. Okay, Jesus brings you to him by faith, but there's an overflow of that faith into your life. And so, so faith will often come in a seed form. It doesn't come in a fully grown tree, you know? Should I tell that story? No, should I tell that story? No, it's a distraction. Okay, oh, it's a distraction. Anyway, so faith comes in seed form. Neil knows the story as well. Um, and it's, it's so important to realize that because if you don't look after the seed, what will the enemy do? The enemy will come and steal the seed. Faith comes in seed form. And so your relationship with Jesus, it's yours. It's not Neil's. It's not Mark's. It's not mine. It's yours. And the responsibility is upon you to care for your relationship with him, to grow it, to take that seed and to plant it into good soil, soil that is soft, soil that is full of the richness of the, the things of the kingdom. Plant the seed in the good soil and watch it grow. And so tend to it. You know, I think the, the, great, um, the great challenge we face and the great challenge Greenpoint will face or any church will face is not, is not just the opposition of the enemy, you know, the works of like, the enemy, the strategies that come against us, but the reality of our flesh, each one of us, the reality of our flesh that we daily have to crucify, we daily have to lay down. 
And if we don't, if we are unable to, to crucify the flesh, if we are unable to see that thing go into the ground and die, see that soil, you know, go into the soil so that it can, it can be planted and grow and take root. The reality is we become surface level, we become superficial, we become religious, and we just go with the flow and we just do stuff because we think we're supposed to do it and it's dead. It's dead, and you never take the land. Neil can call you to take the land, and you might run forward in faith, but actually there's no faith. So you might run forward in obedience, but there's no faith inside of you. You need more than that. You're not going to be able to take the land on his coattails. You've got to find your own faith in order to take the land as he or Andrew ever calls us to take the nations or whatever it is that we've been called to do, including taking you know, the seaboard, and seeing this New Testament church established, growing, healthy, reproducing. Yesterday we took a walk along the Greenbelt in, um, in Constantia. Um, Lex has discovered that it's four minutes drive away from her house. Yes, it's awesome. The Elf and Greenbelt, it's a beautiful place. And um, I knew when, when, when the, the pierce said we're going to go there, I knew we were going to see people. We knew, I just knew it because we've lived in that part of the city for so long. And so we saw a number of people that we, we knew we bumped into along the way. And the last person we bumped into was a guy called Brent, Brent Aspling. Yes, he's a good soccer player, by the way. Proper soccer player, bro. He was good. No, no, he was proper. All right. So I used to play soccer with this guy, and be, this guy and be part of church years ago in the southern suburbs. And we spent five or six, seven minutes chatting to him while Mark and Lex were waiting in the car going, guys, come back. We need to go. Thanks for being so patient. Um, but you know what? At the end of our conversation, he said something to me. He said that God's just added him and his wife to a church in somewhere else in um, Tableview side. Can't remember the name of the church. But he said, to you, he said to me, you know what, Ross? I've known Jesus for over 20 years. But for the first time in my life, over the last year or so, I've had a relationship with him. That's where I wanted, I felt emotional in that moment. Could you feel it as well? It's just like you could see what he was processing. For the first time in his life, faith had come. The seed had been planted. It had taken roots and it was starting to grow. And for the first time in his life, he's now able to take the land that God has for him. Let us not spend 19, 20 years living superficial, going through the motions. I mean, he was on staff in another church at one stage. On staff, going through the motions. Religion. Okay. So Caleb was able to take the land because he had a depth of faith. He had a genuine, deep, I believe, real relationship with God. We can draw that out of the story of his life. Secondly, Caleb, looking in his life, had a strength of conviction. There's got to be a strength of conviction. This is not new stuff, but I trust it's fresh. Strength of conviction. You know, Will Murray, he's now no longer with us. When we planted into or had to take over the church, Constantinburg, in 2011, so many, so many years ago, I can hardly remember it. I can still remember Will calling us together, together as a group of city bowl, bowlers under Ryan's leadership back then saying, okay, guys, are you the group who's going to go there and be part of this this church merges, pitch situation down in the southern suburbs. Yeah, we are. And then he basically said exactly what I was saying to you, to you this morning. He said to us, dare not go there out of preference. Dare not. If it's your preference to go there, don't go. You've got to go out of conviction. Is God asking you to take that land? If he is, go. And some of us went. 
Others who are wise like Albert stayed in City Ball and look at him today. <laughs> Remember those days? Yeah. Yeah, I know you do. Okay. And so we have to be a people of conviction. Do you know why preferences change? Yes, preferences change. You know? I used to be a Liverpool man. Now I'm a Manchester City man. No, that's right. <laughs> yeah, that's our conviction. <laughs> at the moment I'm battling but you know preferences come and go they change with the different seasons in our life you know one time we're this type of person another time we're that type of person we like those things or we have another hobby but convictions remain steadfast we have been called to be a people of conviction it's only a people of conviction who are going to be able to take the land so let me ask you a question and I'll ask it again do you, do you carry a conviction in your heart that God has added you to this church? Only you can answer that. Do you carry a conviction? If you don't, get before Him. Get before Him. Not before your leaders. Get before Him. Find His face. Ask Him, Jesus, am I supposed to be here? Is this the place that I am supposed to be? If so, Write that into the depths of my heart so that I become a man or a woman of conviction. And then give yourself completely. Come to this man. Come and find this man. I went, I, the last few days, we spent some incredible time together, eh? Right? I can't, I mean, it was just what a privilege to be together with all these, so many of these leaders from around 412. And I went and I found Ryan, who we've gone to follow now and join with up in, in Kauteng and City on a Hill Church. And I went and found Ryan, and I've never done this to Ryan before because I've always felt that he's got my heart. But I went to him and I said, Ryan, you have my heart. Ryan, you can do with me whatever you wish. Whatever you wish, I'm your man. Can you do that to Neil? Can you come to him and say to him, Neil, do with me what you wish. If you want me in kids' church, send me to kids' church. If you want me on AV, put me on AV. If you want to send me to Brooklyn, I'll go to Brooklyn on an outreach or whatever. I will do whatever you want me to do. I'm your man or I'm your woman. Okay, people of conviction. Still with me? Okay, one more thing to say. So he was a man of faith, Caleb. He's a man of conviction. And because of that, he was unwilling to shrink back. He was unwilling to shrink back. And so, Dane, once you put up Hebrews 10, um, and this scripture's been sitting heavy with me the last few days, eh? Heavy with me. Russell made reference to the scripture briefly on Wednesday evening this past week, and just as he mentioned it, it just clapped me again. It's just the truth of it, the weight of it. And so let us read through it together, and I just want to sit on it for a bit. Hebrews 10, 32 says, Think back on those early days when you first learned about Christ. Remember how you remained faithful even though it meant terrible suffering. Think about that. Remember how you remained faithful even though it meant terrible suffering. Sometimes you were exposed to that's just something came to mind from the last few days, which I'm still trying to process what's going on in Russia and what you spoke about, I think, and shared with Greenpoints. But you know, Hannes and a team of guys and, and Kala have just been in Russia serving churches there the last month or so. And as they leave Russia, you know, 
Putin, Putin just put out a conscription for 300,000 men. Between the age, I think it's 16, this is the youngest, can't remember what the oldest is, 300,000 to be signed up to go and fight in this war against Ukraine. They have never been trained before. They, they've, they have no idea what they are in for. A conscription. That is, and so young men in that country are fleeing. They're trying to find any way out. Hans, Hans's phone is in pinging with messages. Hans, can you help us? How can we get out of here? What do we do? Can you imagine being a Christian there at the moment, trying to lead churches, trying to live for Jesus, trying to lead people through that, that no matter what, these young men would stand for Jesus? I mean, that's what he's calling young men to. Can you imagine what he's doing to the church in that country? Because the church in Russia is an underground church, and they have suffered for years. Anyway, remember how you remained faithful, even though it meant terrible suffering. Sometimes you were exposed to public ridicule. How many of us walking along the promenade at times, or even witnessing to people, I know many of you have been out there witnessing to people, how many of you have been willing to be spat upon or have been spat upon, you know? How dare you tell me about Jesus? The days are coming. Sometimes you were exposed to public ridicule and were beaten. And sometimes you helped others who were suffering the same things. You suffered along with, with those who were thrown into jail. And when you, sorry, you suffered along with those who were thrown into jail. And when all you owned was taken from you, you accepted it with joy. Whew, it's hectic. And imagine all that you own. Some of us here own this much. Some of us here own that much. Doesn't matter. Because to you, if it's yours, doesn't matter how much it is. If when it's taken from you, it hurts. It's costly. Are you willing to count the cost? Okay. You accepted it with joy. You knew there were better things waiting for you that will last forever. Like Caleb, do you see what God has for you? Do you see that there are better things waiting for you, Greenpoints? Things that will last forever. What are those things? Those things are people. Those things are people. The treasure is people. The treasure is the kingdom of God coming in people's hearts. That's why together as one man you've been called to take the land. The land is people's lives as God brings them to you or he sends you to them. So do not, verse 35, so do not throw away this confident trust in the Lord. Remember the great reward it brings you. Patient endurance is what you need now so that you will continue to do God's will. Then you will receive all that he has promised. For in just a little while, the, com the coming one will come and will not delay. And my righteous ones will live by faith. There it is again. But I will take no pleasure, listen to this, I will take no pleasure in anyone who turns away. But we are not of those who turn away from God to their own destruction. We are the faithful ones whose souls will be saved. The ESV of the last verse there, verse 39, says this, listen to this. But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and preserve their souls. And so green points, you dare not shrink back. God is merciful. God is gracious. He's kind. 
He's all those wonderful things. But he's looking for a people to take the land. Do you hear it? Do you see it? And so I want to call you not to shrink back from the word. Because if you go to battle without the word, this is what you're going to fill yourself with in your relationship with Jesus. You've got to fill yourself with this thing. This thing is not just information. It's revelation. This is the revelation of the heart and the voice and the eternal truth of God to us. Okay, this thing doesn't just encourage. It cuts. It cuts. It convicts. It corrects. It washes. But it reveals Jesus to us. You know, a couple of months ago in Benoni, we had a Sunday meeting, um, and I'm still getting used to a bigger church kind of meeting, because the church is probably about 200 or so, that congregation. And so when you worship with that, that's got a different feel, you know, a different vibe. And sometimes it can kind of feel like you, when it's a bigger band, it can kind of feel like you, at times are going through the motions, or you get caught up in the, just the gears. But we had a Sunday morning a couple of months ago, where Jesus walked into the room, where Jesus walked into the room, guys. Atmosphere changed. There was a word that came from Chloe, who actually used to be here. Let's remember Chloe. Yes, Chloe is there. Chloe brought this word about stuff being hidden in closets. God had been walking through our house, cleaning it, cleaning up, spring cleaning, you know, the whole thing. And he finally got to a closet that had been hidden, unnoticed. And he said, today, I'm dealing with this. Anyway, she brings this word presence of God and worship, Jesus walks into that meeting and the holiness of God descends upon us, goes quiet, 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 quiet. Another word comes just reaffirming this, the reality of the holiness of Jesus in our midst. And the picture I got is the picture that, um, or the, the scripture that Mark referenced earlier from Revelation 1. That morning, the Jesus that John saw on the island of Patmos walked into the church in Benoni. And that picture of Jesus there is not Jesus meek and mild. That is the resurrected, ascended, glorified Jesus sitting at the right hand of the Father praying for us. Woe, woe to him who does not see that Jesus walking into our lives. It's a hectic thing. And so the Word of God, the Word of God cuts us. If we don't have this, we become worldly. This brings us back to him. Okay, so do not shrink back from the word of God preparing you for the land. As we go into 412, even the next few days, let the word of God come, not just information, but come and let it cut you and humble you. With me? Okay. Don't shrink back either from the spirit leading you. And especially when the spirit wants to lead you where you don't want to go. I just love how the Spirit of God, like just when you think you're doing great with God, just when you think you're in a sweet place, He brings to you just something. The Spirit comes and He speaks to you. Mm. There's just that one thing with that one person that you need to sort out. No. No. I'm not going there. And He comes again. Mm. Go sort that thing out. Mm. Okay. <laughs> Help me. Don't shrink back from the Spirit of God leading you, especially where you don't want to go. All right. He's not always going to lead you beside still waters. 
He's not always going to lead you into green pastures. Ultimately, that is what Jesus has for us. But in order for us to get there, we've got to be able to deal with the things inside of us, in our community and in our lives, which don't reflect Him. Let the Spirit of God, the Word and the Spirit, take you there. Because in taking you there, He's going to enable you to take the land. Okay, so don't shrink back from the Word. Don't shrink back from the Spirit leading you. And lastly, don't shrink back. And I've said this a few times already. Don't shrink back from losing your life in order to gain the kingdom. If you haven't already, you need to put to death your comforts. got to put to death your comforts. Because comfort and convenience for us will steal the inheritance that we have in the land. If you are unwilling to crucify your comforts, you will never walk into what Jesus has for you. Okay, I can say this with authority now. Because we sacrificed the comfort of Sea Point and we headed for the wild east of, of Gauteng. It's not comfortable, guys. But when Jesus calls you to do something and he's in it, it's glorious. Okay. Put to death your comforts for his glory. Put to death your dreams. Your dreams for his glory. Can I tell you something? In my flesh, as we had the photo of meetings this, this week, Liam, you were there, bro. As, I, as, we were, as we were spending time with all these church leaders, everything in, actually everything in my flesh, not, not, not the Spirit, not, not the Word, not faith, but everything in my flesh says, Lord, send me to America. Oh, Lord, send me to America where I can drink massive coffees every day. I can go for runs in beautiful forests and mountains. Send me there. Oh, I don't know what the future holds. And if God ever does, we do ever go there. I trust that it's of Him. But you know what? I want to be where God wants me to be. And so I've got to put to death the, 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 my fleshly dreams in order to be willing for my life to count for the kingdom. And so I will follow him where he wants me to go. And lastly, are you willing to put to death your legacy? And you know, like, you might wonder, like, what is that, Ross? What are you speaking about? But all of us, basically, are you willing to put to death your little kingdom that you're trying to build? All of us actually are trying to build our little kingdom in some way. What is the legacy that you're trying to leave? What is the thing that you're building that you hope is going to last? Is it financial security? Is it going to be your kid's education? I don't know what it's going to be. Is it your relationships that you care about so much? I mean, when I see Lee come back and I see her connect with all of her, I mean, she's got friends here that she's had since she was a lighty. She's incredible with friendships. I see how she's been willing to put those, she's been willing to lay those things down. The heritage that she's had over years and years and years in order to go and form new relationships in a new city far away for the kingdom of God. And maybe she'll never get friendships like she's always had. She doesn't know. But you know what? You go for the kingdom. You go willing to take the land because that's what God has for you. And so because it's by faith, because you go in faith, he honors it, he's pleased with it, and it means that together you can take the land. And so let me land with a scripture this morning, and then I'm going to pray for us. All right, I've been away long enough. Let me land with this. Philippians 3, 12 to 14. Mark and I were talking about the scripture yesterday or the day before. 
says this, not that I have have already obtained this or already am perfect. Guys, I'm not perfect. You're not perfect. But I'm calling you into more today. And how dare you not hear me? Okay. All right. But I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. He has paid the greatest cost for us. We are now his. We are not our own. And so what do we do in verse 14? We press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. We will not shrink back, but by faith and with conviction, we will take the land. This morning, Greenpoint, I love you guys. Love you. And I'm so encouraged to see what God is doing, but there is more. He's bringing you into more, even over the next few days, apostolically, as we sit together under what Jesus is saying to us, not just as individual churches, but as a movement of churches. God is not trying to align our minds, but he's trying to align our hearts, our very lives, to his will. And he's going to be showing us the land that he wants us to take. Are you going to be willing together to take the land? Or when the gun goes off and the call is made, are you going to sit on the line and watch others run? Stand up and pray. And so I'm going to ask this morning for response. With our eyes closed, my response is, it's in your heart. It's got to be by the Spirit. I'm trusting this morning that you're seeing something. And you're going to be willing to give your life for it. Yes. I want to ask some questions. Can I ask, should I ask the questions first? Or would you like to say? You know, the whole time Ross has been sharing, I haven't, I haven't, I don't feel like I've listened to a preach this morning. I feel like I've been hearing the Lord put up a battle horn and blow it. There's a battle cry that's on. That's what I'm hearing. I'm the, and I'm not even hearing Ross. I'm like, I'm seeing the truth. It says, Look around, learn how to read the signs of the times. And while Ross was was sharing, I was reminded of Joel 3. It says, beat your plowshares into swords and your pruning hooks into spears. Let the weakling say, I am strong. And in 2 Timothy 1, Paul is speaking to Timothy and he says this, for the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. This message this morning is it's a call from the Lord. It is not Ross preaching. I'm not even hearing Ross anymore. I'm hearing the Lord's call to warfare and to take the land. And so as he asks the question, I want to say, hear the Lord. Stop seeing Ross. Stop hearing him. And read the signs of the times. This is happening. Don't you, we can't put our heads in the sand and go, it'll pass us by. And so with our eyes closed this morning, I want to ask us some questions, three of them. The first question I have for you this morning, Greenpoint, is will you be willing to join your leaders in seeing that land and by faith taking it? Now just allow, as I'm asking the question, allow the Spirit of God to come to you. 
And just think upon, just think about your life at the moment. What's going on? The things you might be wrestling with. Maybe you're wrestling with something with Neil. Could be. I don't know. But guys wrestle with lead elders all the time. It's crazy. But there might be something today that you got to, that, that the Lord's showing you. Do you know what? I've got to wrestle through this with Neil so that I can follow him wholeheartedly. Or with Mark, or with Marius, or whatever it might be. Is there a little niggle inside of you? If, that, if there's a niggle there, don't put it down. Let it rise. Let it rise this morning. Let it come to the surface. And let God identify it. Let him help you see it. Maybe that niggle this morning is, Ross, I feel like you've been too hard. Or Jostian doesn't speak enough about grace. Or whatever it could be. Let that thing come to the surface. See it for what it is. And let it die. Okay. So let me ask that question again. Will you be willing to join your leaders in seeing that land and by faith taking it? Secondly, what are you personally going to do to further what God is doing in and through this church? What are you personally going to give yourself to? What talents or what spiritual gift has the Lord given you that needs to be multiplied? Or maybe, how can you serve? Like, what gap do you see? What thing can you contribute? What can you bring to the table? Because I feel like God is saying this morning, bring it to the table. Don't sit on it. Don't wait for someone else. Don't bury your talents. Because he is coming back one day. Our father is coming back. And he says, dare not bury your talents. Because if you bury it, I'm going to be grieved and I'm going to hold you accountable for that. So let me ask that question again. What are you personally going to do to further what God is doing in and through this church? Just pausing there for a moment with our eyes closed. I heard a story last evening that one of the members of the church in Weinberg, she's now a deacon, I think. Another Aspling, Lisa Aspling, not related to the other Aspling I mentioned earlier. But we also know, Lisa, apparently, with your eyes closed, just thinking about this, I think she asked herself this question. She said, Lord, what are you personally asking me to do to further what God is doing in Weinberg as a congregation? And the Lord spoke to her, and he said, Lisa, I want you to start a 6 a.m. prayer meeting on a Sunday morning before church at the church. She went to her leaders, and she said, I'm submitting this to you. Ross, do you think this is a good idea? And in some miraculous way, Ross said, you know what, I believe that's of God. Go for it. <laughs> and I heard from one of the other deacons in that congregation last night as we were eating pizzas together that people have been coming out of the woodwork to join that meeting and to pray at 6 a.m. on a Sunday morning before church. What is God asking you to do? How is he personally asking you to take responsibility? to take the land. And then lastly, what role are you going to play in advancing the kingdom through our partnership of churches in 412 that God has added you to? 
Do you realize, another way of asking this question is, do you realize that in God adding you to this church, he hasn't just added you to this church or this congregation, but he's added you to a family of churches that are joined together all over the world. I mean, this morning, we have a brother in our meeting who's from Malawi, who's part of our partnership of churches right here in our midst. That is incredible. That is awesome. But we have been joined together in a partnership of churches to take the gospel to the nations, what role are you going to play in that? Or are you going to wait and wait and wait and watch and watch and watch others going, others serving, others sacrificing? Or do you realize that God has added you to this church for the field of churches, for the nations? Do you? Do you see it? If you don't, I'm praying that thing into being this morning that you'll see that God has added you to this church to take this land. But the land he has for us is land which is across all the nations that God is bringing us to and asking us to go into. Okay, and so what role are you personally going to play in advancing the kingdom through our partnership of churches in 412 that God has added you to? I'm going to pray for us. Eyes closed. Father, we stand this morning, and um, in many ways we stand looking at our hands, looking at our lives, and um, we see that in our hand all we have is maybe a little spade. And we think, what good is that, God? Like, what good is that? But this morning, the Father walks into our hearts. He walks into our lives. And like that scripture that Mark read, he's taking that spade out of our hand and he's placing a weapon in our hands. Could be a sword, could be a bow, and hopefully some arrows. Whatever it is that you personally, God has called you to, called you to carry and to contribute. And this morning, he's, he's saying... Hear the call. Take the land. Take it in unity. Know that I'm going before you. Know that there are going to be many battles. It's not going to be easy. It's never easy. The land is full of giants. But there is fruit waiting for you there, which is beyond your wildest dreams and expectations. But you're only going to inherit that land if you're willing to take it by faith and take it together. And so this morning, Josh and Greenpoint, I pray over you that you would see the land, that you'd hear the call to lay your life down again this morning, that you'd be willing to follow your leaders like never before, and that you'd see that the land that he's given you is not just here, it is here, but it's not just here, it's into the nations as well. And as you sow your life into this place, God is going to open up doors for you to go and to serve churches and people, individual lives calling them into the kingdom all around the world. This is the glorious thing that Jesus wanted us to do as his disciples, to go into the nations and make disciples of them. And so, Father, thank you. Thank you for speaking to us this morning. Thank you for being present in our worship. Thank you for walking into the room today and calling us to battle Thank you for jars this morning, which are 
jars of perfume which are needing to fall to the floor and break so that beautiful presence and aroma can be released through our lives. Prepare our hearts for the next few days, Lord. Um, for those of us going to 412, prepare our hearts, ready our hearts. Sow the seed of the kingdom into our hearts and let us look after it well. And then for those that are unable to go in the next few days, Lord, I pray God their hearts, that they would not feel that they're missing out, they not feel that they're less than in any way, but those of you who do go would be able to spend time with your brothers and sisters and this family of faith you joined to, bringing them along on the journey, saying this is what the Lord has called us to, and making sure that in unity and in oneness you take the land. Thank you, Father. Yeah, bless you guys. Amen. Cool.